Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you are with us as we talk about financial matters and retirement and all that good stuff with myself and my co-host. We're both financial advisors, practicing financial advisors, have been so for over three decades. And we broadcast on the weekends or via podcast to be your financial advisors on the air or in your earbuds or whatever you, the case might be these days. So that's who we are. We just try to help people to get some financial security in their life because um, even if you don't want to retire, you should be prepared to leave the workforce at some point in time. 100% because you never know what's going to come up yeah. with life. And I think for most people want to get to the point where work's an option, not an obligation. You have enough financial resources set aside. So you've got some autonomy and some control in your life. Um, and you know, someone was asking me the other day, why do you guys spend so much time talking about retirement versus, you know, college education? And well, for most Americans, retirement, saving for retirement is their biggest concern above and beyond that of educating their, their kids. Some, like some of these colleges, it's a bit of a luxury, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, come on, you go to these places, stay in the dorm, the whole thing. And then you, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, you didn't have that. It I, I didn't, didn't have that. No, I oh. went to junior college and worked my way through and all that stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. But no, it's the it's the it's America's number one thing that they save for. It's even if you've got multiple millions. Yes, it's what people worry about. Not so much in their thirties and forties, but when you're in your fifties, you really start trying to put together the plan as to where's this money going to come from. So we've talked about this on before we, we just encourage people as soon as they start their first job, just save at least 10%, try to get to 15%, raise your family, you know, don't take the money out of your house every time that appreciates in value. Uh, and then, you know, start counting it up and doing some retirement planning, financial planning, to get to retirement. Yeah. And I tell you, it. Um, whenever there's times of turmoil in the financial markets, people, I get more questions from people. Scott, what's going to, what do you think is going to happen to the markets? Like, uh, I have no idea. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we can look at other periods of time. If you look back like during World War II, who knows where this conflict's leading, right? No one knows. Nobody knows. The, uh, by and large, stock markets, global stock markets, did poorly up into the war. But then if you looked like d during the early 1940s, tended to do, do extremely well and finished the war substantially higher than they were, say, in 1939. Um, not but, to say that that would happen again this time. Who, who knows? Obviously, who knows what's going to happen? I, th I, I think it's, the whole thing is absolutely fascinating to me. Um how seizing the oligarchs' assets and then, you know, Russia's saying that they're going to actually default, right? Not yeah. technically default, but say they're going to default. Like, can you really – half your, your assets in Russia is in foreign currencies outside of Russia. Pretty sure those people could figure out where it's all at and divide it up. That's what happens in bankruptcy. So you could do have a de facto bankruptcy of a country, <laughs> seize all the assets outside of that particular company and use it. And at the same time, Russia will be saying to every multinational that operates inside Russia, hey, thanks uh, for that plant facility. Thanks for the trademark McDonald's. We're yeah, just right. going to operate our McDonald's and our right, Starbucks. That's what they're saying. Yeah. We're going to just take it. And I do. I find it interesting, too. And part of me... Taking the yachts and stuff with oligarchs. At first, I thought, yeah, good for them. And but then part of me is like, isn't there some sort of due process? Like, I mean, what happens if we start doing that to our citizens? So, I, I was. <laughs> right? I mean, Canada went through this thing for the truckers a couple months ago, where they seized their financial assets, canceled their credit cards, canceled their uh, truckers' insurance. The government did. Yeah, 
So it's it, both those were political pressure. Whether they end up with those assets or not, you could seize them. But whether they end up with them in a the long term, yeah, it's it's a different. It's political pressure, of course. And that's what it was in Canada on the truckers, which is like, hey, mellow out, and you know, the European Union and the U.S. saying we're going to start seizing assets. What's fascinating to me is the reason most oligarchs bought real property outside of Russia is to keep them away from the Russian the government. <laughs> yes. Whoever imagined. Not just because they're Russian. Yeah, it's just so that they wouldn't get the property seized. But who, in their mind, the oligarchs, if they're sitting around having um, a, a vodka, is that stereotypical? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> okay. If they're sitting around having a vodka, um, they're all saying to each other, you know, we bought all that stuff in these other countries so that no one could take it from us. Who imagined? I don't feel terribly sorry for the oligarchs. It's You look at Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk. Guys started from with very little, very creative, figured out great businesses, figured out how to get themselves surrounded by <coughs> smart, capable people to help them uh, accomplish the plans that they had in their minds. Like, what would happen? There's that kind of wealth. And then there's the oligarchs. Who were cronies? That's we're, we're going to assume so. Ah, come on, because most of them are industrial, and they and they did take place soon after the breakup yeah, of the all, USSR. Uh, so anyway, now, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, but the financial markets. One day the markets are off several hundred points. The next day they're up several hundred points. They're still down quite a bit. And if you look, some companies are down dramatically. And this is, I think, what we haven't seen for a number of years, Pat. Well, I guess we saw it during the early days of the pandemic, but that was so short-lived. But we have not seen anything since that time where you get a dramatic decline on some widely held stocks, much more than the 10 or 20% um, headline that you oh, see. Oh, yes, 30, 40, 50, 60%. Yeah. I mean, even companies like Tesla trading at 40% off its peak. I think Facebook's down about That's the a same. completely different issue. Then what? I don't think that that is. I, I don't necessarily think that Russia is driving the, uh, the. No, no, no. I didn't say anything. I didn't say about Russia. I just saying that what's the reality of the markets right now. And then I saw this past week, uh, AMC was buying a stake in a gold mining company, the movie theater chain. <laughs> They're a meme stock, right? Yeah. Along with GameStonk, uh, AMC was one of the ones that they traded, and so now they're maybe they're trying to keep it alive. Maybe they're the trying company? to do a gold, uh, make themselves look like a gold stock, a meme gold stock. Meme, not mean. Meme. Yeah. Meme. M-E-M-E. -E. But there's 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 a number of companies where the stock's down 30, 40, 50, 60%, uh, which we haven't seen that many companies, this dramatic decline in in years, really. So it's in some ways, I think it's healthy getting a... Kind of get a reset. The, oh, the reality is, this is what markets do. It's a good reminder there is risk in the marketplace. So over the short term, it's anyone's guess. Where are we going to finish the year? Anyone's guess. Nobody knows. Now they work short term. Long term, I think you can be pretty confident, particularly the longer <laughs> term you've got. Hey, if you want to be part of Allworth, love to take your call, 833 99Worth. And by the way, we're, we're doing a. Um, a special recording uh, on March 29th from 3 to 5 Pacific, uh, 6 to 8 Eastern. We are. Yes. You and I. Yes, the two of us. Where we just take phone calls. Yes, nonstop. And um, just answer questions. So if you'd like to sign up for that, 833-99-WORTH, or just uh, send us an um, email to questions at moneymatters.com, and we would get... Uh, and that's March 29th? From 3 to 5 Pacific. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're in Virginia talking with Jeff. Jeff, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, Scott. Pat, thanks for taking my call yep. very much. I have a question about rolling over from an indexed annuity to a traditional IRA at Vanguard. Um, this is for my mom. I'm general power of attorney. Uh, so she, she heard my dad bought this indexed annuity. Uh, over 10 years ago. It's for finally out of the penalty period. Uh, it's been an extraordinarily difficult process getting the money out 
of this custodian. But we finally did it, and we asked in the paperwork uh, for an electronic transfer from this custodian to the Vanguard traditional IRA account. Uh, instead of doing that, the company the, uh, sent a paper check. Uh, okay. And I was, I was asking my mom, look, be on the lookout for this paper check. You know, it's left your account. Uh, so anyway, but she didn't. She didn't see it. It got lost in her mail uh, until day when she found it. It was this day number sixty-two after the check had been uh, after the check had been cut by the custodian. How old's your mom? Annuity uh, seventy-nine. How much money is and this? The distribution is one hundred thirty-nine thousand dollars. Was the distribution? Well, we, we didn't mean it to be a distribution. Was, was yeah okay. So for clarification, uh, so uh, you 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 stated that your your parents bought this ten years ago. Was this in fact so, an IRA in your mom's name ten years ago that someone sold her an equity index annuity product for that IRA? Uh, yes. So they used my my father passed away two and a half years ago. So they the the annuity was purchased in her name with traditional IRA. Funding. So we've had to take, you know, RMDs and all of that. Okay. okay. But so the annuity was in your mom's name in your mother's IRA. Uh, it, it was in it's, her name. It was at, I mean, it's, it was it's a, what's a, called a, a qualified company. It's a qualified um, IRA then. Yes. Yes. I mean, she had a separate IRA, you know, at another. Okay. Okay. I'm just, we're just trying to understand because you can also use what it's, after tax money, and it would be what's called a non-qualified. So sixty-two. No, this was qualified. Okay. And how much? What did she put into it originally ten years ago? It was it was a hundred thousand dollars back in two thousand eleven, and it uh, and it had you know it had a monthly cap on the growth and it had no cap on the floor the losses each month. It tracked the S and P five hundred. It was just a terrible. Terrible. That's when there were rider fees and all kinds of things. In there. All right. So I, w- w- the reason I'm asking is we we speak against equity index annuities quite frequently, and I've I've, mm-hmm. I've yet to have anyone tell me what wonderful experiences they've had with it. That's usually with, here. And let's clarify that equity index annuities. There are annuities out there that were issued 15, 20 years ago that had guarantees on them. That but these are different. Are fine. These are different. So it's sixty two days. We're past the sixty days. Your mother has the check. Yeah. So, and I was at work when she found it, and so she took it straight down to her bank and deposited it into her checking account. Uh, so, oh, and no. I'm looking at the contract here, and it was contract type is IRA regular. So it was IRA money. Um, so I've been talking with Vanguard, and they're saying, you know, right, so it was past the 60 days. She deposited it in her local account, so it looks, it smells like a distribution. That's right. So yep. they're having trouble accepting the money now. So I'm trying to figure out how to avoid a tax bill. I don't know how you can. Unless you unless you claim so. that your mother had some dementia. Hmm. Well, had she not deposited it, with- had she not deposited it, you could have said we haven't received the check and issued a new it. one, mm-hmm. but she deposited it. How would I deal with this? The intent was, was to roll it over to the... December 29th. 2021. So now, now we're coming oh. up on taxes due. This is a distribution from 2021 oh. now. And who so does your mother's taxes? She has a person there. She's in Texas. I'm in Virginia. She has a person in Texas that does uh, her taxes for her. She's been doing it for years. Mm. I think you got a problem. I would actually. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she's 79 years of age. Mm-hmm. Would you not ask for? I don't know if it's worth the hassle to go through a private letter. I mean, you've got to. You, I think you need to. You, you need have to, to. You'd have to challenge. You'd have to you, ask the IRS you for have permission. To ask the IRS for permission to put it back inside. Through, I think okay. through a private letter ruling process. I would imagine. I'm not a tax expert on um, through a what a, a what process? It's called private letter ruling. So basically, okay. what happens is a private letter ruling. Where, and by the way, we're not. We have CPAs in the building. But Scott and I are not CPAs. <laughs> yeah, so right. yeah. if you're a CPA and you're listening to this like, and no, say, that's not quite accurate. Like, like, like we're close. Yeah. The concept is is there. You go to the IRS and you say, here are the facts of the case. This is what our intent was to do. My 79-year-old, the 79-year-old mother or the CPA or accountant says, look, she didn't know this. Um, are you the trustee on the account? 
Are you uh, are you as a trustee I mean, to anywhere on your mother's account? The checking account at the bank. Yes, for 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 her IRA accounts. Yes, I, I mean, I'm, yes. So I'm I'm on USA and Vanguard as her uh, as her trustee. I can transact okay. on her account. So what you want to do behalf. is you've got some power of attorney or something on those. Yeah, POA, right? General power of attorney. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you want to you want to actually bring her through the process and get a private letter ruling from the IRS, basically acting. He's acting as the agent for her. I, I would call. I would contact. So that a, makes it even more complicated. So it's one thing if there's a 79 year old uh, woman, and you, you could say there was some dementia. You, when, when if, considering Jeff's been power of attorney, I know, but she's the one that put the check in the in the bank account, and it said Ira on it, know. and the bank took it. I would contact a qualified. So Pat, firm. it's your mom. I would. I if the same thing. Yes. If I were Jeff right now. I would say, okay, I need to get someone who is qualified to interact with the IRS to see if, um, or see if whatever, what are the, what rulings have been in the past on something similar. And I, I'm just being, <laughs> I've not seen any, I've personally have not seen any time where there's been any leniency on the 60 day window. It wouldn't stop me from spending a couple thousand dollars chasing it though. Yeah. What's your mother's annual income? It's around fifty. She has she has got um, fixed income of about fifty thousand, and that's about what she spends. So her RMDs just roll over from her IRA to her non. Yeah. So I mean, here's the cha- here's the challenge you're here. I mean, let's, so this happened in 2021 December, right? Of yeah, last, last year, last days of the April year, 15th yes. is mm-hmm. the time to file the taxes and pay the taxes. You could. You have to pay your tax, whether you extend or not, you got to pay That's whatever right. the tax liability is. You've got to pay is. the tax liability on it. So mm-hmm. you're probably going to have to pay that tax liability. You're going to have to pay that tax liability. Because okay. what you don't want to do is not pay it and then try to say, hey, no, this was a mistake. We didn't really mean to, hoping, begging for forgiveness. And then what happens if three years down the road the IRS says, so, sorry, too bad? Then you. You failed to pay the taxes when they were due, so you've got penalties on that, and then there's interest on top of the penalties. So yeah, so the the way I would do it is, in but I would for talk tax to purposes someone who's who who who's represented people before the IRS many times before. Not like yeah, but for tax purposes, you want to treat it like it was a distribution. At the same simultaneously, okay. you want to actually contact a qualified tax advisor. I would go with a CPA here that actually is versed in this and mm-hmm. ask them what to do and see if they think it's worth the, 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 the hassle and the cost to go back yeah. to the IRS. But you can also say what, what, how much is this extras in taxes? Not, not extra meaning what, how much more you have to pay in that particular year, but like over the long term, this is all going to be taxable at some point in time anyway. Correct. So kind of figure out what's right, right, right. How much additional taxes are we end up paying and how much time Above are we going to required minimum? How much time and energy are we going to spend on this? Yeah, so that's why I was asking okay. what her base pay, her salary was fifty grand that we may or may not be successful on. So, anyway, sorry that happened. Uh, the only yeah, or no, and, and when, uh, unless unless you had told the insurance company to do a direct transfer, he did. We we did in the paperwork we did. You know we we. Gave them the account number, routing number for Vanguard. And when did you have notif- When did you have notification that it wasn't uh, that it wasn't transferred? That they that I, they were not going to issue a uh, do, do a direct transfer, but in fact, we're going to issue a check. Yeah, I would just periodically log on to the trust, you know, the custodian's account and look, and and then one day it was it was gone. The account was closed out, so that's when I called her and said, "You've got to look, check your mail for this check to see if it's coming." Got it. So, and what? I was, it, you know, I didn't get a, a they wouldn't be, even though I had general property, they wouldn't deal with me directly. So it was just, that was just a complicating factor. Got it. And what was the custodian's name? It was insurance company. Uh, it's security, security benefit. Oh, got it. Was security yeah, benefit it, life. Yeah. And insurance company. Yeah. Well, that's what I would do. And uh, did treat you it like a distribution and then go back and ask for the IRS? Yeah. To, well, to, I talked, I talked to uh, one or two, I, I, yeah, talk to the person who does her taxes. If the if the sounds like the person's never dealt with anything like this, we, then maybe talk to somebody else. We we did something or before I got involved with my parents, they had missed three or four years of, of required minimum distributions. Um, 
And so this this tax preparer wrote the letter to the IRS on behalf of us for that, and that seemed to have worked. So I I, I will talk to her okay. and see if she could do something similar in this one. Well, okay. I mean, your, your parent, yeah, your mother has a uh, yes a history of. I'm glad you're the the POA on this. Well, well, yeah, and at that time, my father was entering dementia, and so and she just wasn't involved. So yeah. um, anyway, that's how I got involved. So yeah. Kind of a similar situation now. Yeah, it may. Yeah, I. Yeah, I would just. I'd talk to a qualified tax person. But it, but okay. prepare your taxes. Prepare your taxes and pay the tax uh, liability on the distribution, as if it. God, this is going to be backed I, out. So, <laughs> and now it's just me trying to claw it back from, or not claw it back, but just get a refund. Yeah, from I, I, well, I don't know if I pay. I mean, successful. like that's why you need you need to get some good counsel on this. Uh, and the, if it was a million-dollar uh, IRA, you'd really fight it, and you'd hire some good quality. But it's at a level where you're not going to – you don't want to th- spend too much money on this whole th- situation because yeah, any money you spend yeah, on accountants and attorneys, you're not getting back. <laughs> uh, right. All right. Appreciate the call, yeah, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. And t- I tell you, Pat, it's just um, – this is not uncommon. Not at all. Not at all. What was uncommon about this is that the mother deposited the check. What I mean by that is aging, an aging parent, like, oh, yes. Like, one day we're all going to get, we're all, all be, and for many of us, we start losing some of our cognitive ability or probably sounded like Jeff's situation. His mom never took care of the finances. She always relied upon her husband for her entire life. And now she's relying upon her son. Son doesn't have the exact same power as a spouse does when it comes to dealing with financial matters, doing the best he can, living apart, etc. Uh, but we see issues all the time. Oh, I think one of the more interesting ones. This was um, I was talking with. Uh, I'm not going to say the universities with because it would might give his name away. But he's he's a specialist. He's in um, behavioral finance issues. Okay, quote in the Wall Street Journal. Well known within the behavioral finance realm at a top institution, university, and I was uh, talking to him one day, and whatever we're talking about, he was telling me a story about his own father that had long-term care insurance, had been paying on this policy for about a decade. He's now mid late eighties, whatever it was, uh, experiencing dementia, and fails to make a few premium payments. And they cancel his insurance on him. And so this behavioral finance person who understands behavioral side of things, like here's this person in his 80s for 10 years been making his premium payments. He's at the age, past the age, frankly, when the average person would would need long-term care insurance, doesn't make the premium payments. And instead of you reaching out to... Figuring out what's going on with this person. Cancel away. Cancel the policy. Yeah. It happens. It happens. That's why there is nothing wrong with getting your, your, someone who is declining in health mentally or physically, getting CC'd on all their statements or setting them up online so you both could actually take a look at them, or at least you can take a look at them. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And I think, frankly, there are a lot of people, hire a financial advisor uh, as they age in life, so they've got somebody who could be there with them when something like this may or may not occur. Oh, yeah. We we have stopped many a scam of, I personally had a client that wanted $50,000 out of her account because she had won a lottery and it needed to prepay the taxes. And, um, wow, that's a great deal. I know. It was, <laughs> she excited was like over a million dollars she was going to win. But she had to prepay the taxes. <laughs> uh-huh. And all of a sudden it comes across, she needs 50 grand. You know, we're asking why. Have the sheriff talk to her, tell her it's a scam. Relatives talk to her, tell her it's a scam. She says, okay, it's a scam. Thank you, thank you. Four weeks later, hey, I need that 50 grand again. You guys were all wrong. And we didn't send it to her. 
by the way, we probably would have broken a couple of rules by sending her the money, but who cares? By sending her the money? Yeah, I mean, technically, it's her money. Well, no, but you, you've got a, even a fiduciary responsibility to act in her that. best interest. Legal. She, she wasn't, but she wasn't. Uh, at some point, <laughs> uh, she wasn't that. It wasn't like she was just gullible. Yes, correct. Yeah, correct. She had. And you were been, just trying to help her. Yeah, she, 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 had, been, she wasn't. It wasn't like she had lost any of her. Capacity. The court hadn't decided that she uh, had lost capacity. She just believed what a scammer. This? I tell you what, this is a depressing topic. All right, well, let's go. We're going to we're gonna take calls. a quick break, and when we come back, we will um, take calls that are much more interesting than um, talking about what happens when we get old and fail to do things in a proper proper manner. So, anyway, this is all worth money matters with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McClain. Let's uh, go right to the calls here. We're talking with William. William, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hello. How you guys doing? We're great. How you doing, William? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, so my scenario is um, we want to take advantage of the market in California. Um, we currently have some equity in our home, and we was considering taking um, uh, ELOC loan out and purchasing a rental property. And we want to know, should we get an LLC to do that? So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, what is the value of your home today? Uh, the value of the home today is one point four. We what, owe we owe owe about six hundred on it. What's the interest rate? Interest rate is uh, three point two. Three point two. And how old are you, William? I'm forty four. And how much is the how much are we going to take off in the uh, a home equity line of credit? How much money are we going to take out? Um, I was looking anywhere from between three and four. Are you married? Yes. What, uh, what's the annual family income? Um, annual income is about two seventy. And so the ho- so it's because you said you want to take advantage of the market, which means that your home's price is high, right? So you want to take some cash out. Correct, yeah. But then aren't you going to be buying high at the same time? Well, I know you called about a different thing, yeah. but, and we will answer that yeah, question. But, but um, it seems like um, single-family homes are high, but uh, multi-units are not as affected. What? What? When you say um, multi-units, yeah, I know what it's Quadruplexes, single- duplexes, apartment buildings, they're all way Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, though, uh, and what are you looking at? A duplex, quadruplex? Have you actually started looking at any of these properties? Yeah, we've started seeing um, duplexes and triplexes. And based on the rent that's going on in California, it's profitable. Okay. Yeah, only when you take three or four hundred grand out of your house. To- yes. <laughs> so if you so here's, what, here's what makes me uncomfortable about the whole thing. I like. Okay. We've been in this show for 26 years. Going back to the 2006, 2007s, uh, this is the exact kind of thing that people were, were doing. And I remember at times in the, and it's a different, look, I had this conversation with someone just the other day. It's a different time now than it was during the early 2000s. Early 2000s, real estate prices kept going up year after year and rents barely moved. So there was this big disconnect between rents and home prices. Like why... Why do these values go up if rents aren't going up? And, and this, this market's been a little different because rents have risen dramatically and home prices as, as well. My, my concern is you take a bunch of money out of your house, you now move from a $600,000 mortgage to a $900 or a million dollar mortgage. You buy some other place. What happens if property values fall 25% over the next two or three years? 
Oh, you're right. That's the risk. But yeah. Okay. So that, that is the risk. So one of the things I would look at, remember the HELOC is an adjustable rate mortgage. Uh, in most mm -hmm. situations, they're not fixed rate. So I would lock the whole thing. I in. would lock the whole thing in, which might require a, either a fixed second or a total refinance cash out refinance on that. So that's number one. I wouldn't be. And the deductible, you might have a challenge on the deductibility of that additional interest. Uh, yeah. So, so I, 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 so the answer, first question is I, I wouldn't be excited about it. If I was going to do this at all, I wouldn't be excited about a HELOC because I wouldn't want an adjustable rate mortgage on, uh, on an asset like that. So especially in this environment where interest rates are a relatively low, uh, compared to history. So in saying that, whether you're higher than they were a couple months ago, there's no question there. Uh, it, it, it won't matter whether you put it in an LLC or don't put it in an LLC. You're going to get a veil of protection a little bit from an LLC, but you can insure around that anyway. So if you want to put it in an LLC, put it in an LLC. California, they give you, a, you get, there's a minimum tax you have to pay for the LLC, and it's another tax return to complete. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if, if you're buying, it was a several million dollar building or apartment complex, maybe an LLC would make sense. If it was just um, a duplex, I don't know. I probably wouldn't. with it. But it, you know, that, that's that we shouldn't be spending any time on that right now. We should be spending time on the economics of the deal that you're doing. And I'd be doing. And what's this look like? And frankly, what's this look like for your family cash flow over the next couple of years? Because you're getting more mortgage to pay uh, by the time you you pay your, your taxes and insurance on the rental. And what? And there can be times when it's vacant and there can be repairs. Like model all that out over the next decade. I would do all that before I made this decision on whether it's an LLC or to keep it. In and then, mind. and then you could you have to place some assumptions on what do you think real estate prices are going to do over the next yeah. five or ten years. Do you have a background in finance by chance? Um, no, just um, just reading. Um, we we purchased we we I, I owned a house when I was twenty two years old, and this is during the whole. I guess 2008 crash, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. And then I made the mistake of getting that 1% uh, 1 interest loan. If you know anything about yep. that? Oh, yeah. Yep. And yep. They think, I thought they were, I thought they were criminal. Negative amortization loans. Yeah. Right. So based on that, um, we, lost the, we, uh, we lost the place. So next time we purchased a property, um, I was thinking, how can I get somebody to help pay for it? So we purchased a duplex. And with the duplex, uh, we had you know, obviously had somebody else helping pay make the payments. And once we was able to get out of debt, uh, we thought it worked once. Why can't it work again? All right. So w remember, the HELOC is not the same as a negatively amortized mortgage, but it's not that. It's its <laughs> second cousin. How's that? Because they're variable interest rates. So let's say interest rates <laughs> go to eight or nine. All of a sudden, the economic models that you put together on the purchase of this home are out the window. So I, I, I would definitely get a fixed rate mortgage before, yeah. if I were to do this. And, 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 you know, put it in L you called about the LLC that, you know, at the end of the day, that isn't, that'd be the 15th thing on the list of things I would worry about. Mm. Alrighty. Yeah. And if I were in your situation, I'd worry about what happens if we, when we go into another recession, what happens when real estate prices uh, decline again? And how um, can you weather through that storm? Well, Will real estate prices be higher 20 years from now? I'm pretty confident they will be. Will they be higher a year or two from now? I have no idea, nor does anybody else. And I get a kick out of Pat. I said, I heard this the other day. So-and-so, they're uh, predicting an annual increase. <laughs> I think it was real. And, yeah, there's so-and-so predicting an annual increase of uh, prices in California of 5% this next year. I'm like, okay. You can take a long term inflation. <laughs> you can take a long-term historical average. And it's just, that's what they do every year. When's the last time that like a major firm? You can imagine Zillow comes out. We're expecting a fifteen percent decline in home prices. This well, year. Zillow should know. They lost all that money on that uh, that model they used, where they were actually using their algorithms to purchase the homes, and then they ended up dumping them all on the market. Zillow should know that yeah. did not. The firm that actually tells people what the value of the properties are lost millions and tens of millions of dollars. <laughs> well, they tried going down a, a path of flipping homes. And then someone internally said, "This is not a smart business plan for us. It, it, Let's it, stick to what we're." And getting. then they and then they dumped the homes and lost money on them. 
But only because they're probably their their whole period wasn't long. Enough. Yes, and someone made the decision like this is not a game we want to play because it's got way too much risk. Because their whole cause some of these public companies are it's they're not really designed to have long term investments like that. They don't always work so well. You don't see publicly traded companies being speculators on land over the next. Well, in decade. fact. Quite the opposite. Exactly. If you look at like Starbucks, they don't own most of their locations. Yeah, that's right. They want to keep the capital free to actually put into the business that yeah, they know. That's right. That they know. That they know. Yes. <laughs> and they use a lot of smaller, smaller investors to, to do these little strip center things. Anyway, let's uh, continue on. Eight three three ninety nine worth is the number. We're talking with Rusty. Rusty, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey guys. Hi, Rusty. Hi. So, uh, loved your advice to that young fellow just a minute ago. Uh, um, dangerous times. But my question rolls right into that a little bit, too, because it's hard to tell if we can expect a downturn in housing because of what's happening with inflation and the monetary base and everything. So that's where my question lies. What is your question? Oh, sorry about that. So uh, given, given the fact, and I'm not sure I have the numbers right, but I think we've quintupled over the last decade and a half, the monetary base, that is the, the number of dollars that have actually been printed and distributed around the globe. And I've kind of been waiting for inflation to hit for years now. And now that it has come along, I'm just kind of wondering, do you guys have any kind of guesses or model that might give us an idea how long we could expect this inflation to carry on? There's an old saying that... Um now I forget the, what, what the saying was. Somebody, the, the reason we have a... <laughs> I haven't used it a long time. The reason the we have the economist is to make the astrologers look good. Or yes. something along those lines. That's it, right? Yeah, that's what it was, yeah. The yeah. reason we have a stro- economist is to make the astrologers look good. It's, the, the, we can develop all kinds of models to give us all kinds of outcomes. And we can line up okay. 100 economists... And you can get one at the far extremes, gives you all the reasonings why interest rates are going to be, uh, inflation is going to be 20% in two years from now. And you can get one on the opposite end of the extreme, says inflation is going to be over within two months. As a matter of fact, we're going to have uh, deflation coming up, et cetera, et cetera. So if you actually pick up the Wall Street Journal anytime in the last five days, the big thing is, look, inflation is going to hit 8 9 10%. The Fed's going to slow it down. Is that going to push us into a recession? So this is what happened. If we go back to the late 70s, early 80s, we had a high period of inflation. Our Federal Reserve Chairman, Paul Volcker at the time, just kept raising interest rates higher and higher until I think the short-term rate was like 21%. It got out of control. And threw the economy into a recession, finally got inflation to get back under control. So I think the, the, the concern that people have, the concern I have, is will this inflation cause a recession? The, the, the tools that we, the only tools we have to try to fight this, will that actually cause a recession? Which is just, if you think back just two years ago, when it was completely on the other side of the uh, spectrum, where they, they were worried there's going to be no growth and just we need to get money out there, money out there, money out there. Everyone, here's money, here's more money, right? We, oh yeah, right? oh yeah, and, bill after bill. And then yeah. now we created this inflationary well there's lots of things that created the inflation right supply chain but you wouldn't have the supply chain problem if you didn't have the money chasing it by the way just telling you that or the lockdowns or the lockdowns (laughs) i mean there's some unintended consequences when we have a myopic approach to this so the answer to your question is can it happen absolutely can recession happen absolutely does anyone know no 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 of course not yeah I mean, and I read two um, articles this week where they were comparing what's going on today to Paul Volcker in the uh, 70s. Well, I mean, that's the only thing I have to relate to myself. I was a kid during the 70s, and, and I remember, you know, my my mom and dad and uncles and aunts um, being so worried about it, scared by it even. So yeah. It I is frightening. Look, that, when we got inflation at, yeah. eight, at 8%, the average used car... Uh, is up what twenty seven percent or something ridiculous? I mean, prices yeah. have, are going through the roof. And if you got a, if a really high wage, it's not going to really make much difference. If you're the average American, no. and you're already right. living paycheck yeah. to paycheck, it's difficult. Right. 
what I think is really interesting is that's what you remember about the 70s and 80s, because I remember angel flights and Fomalara shoes. <laughs> Don't you remember um, uh, odd, I'm, I'm a, odd and even gas? Yes. And waiting in line? It's yeah, odd. I do remember it's our day that. to get gas. I do. Yeah, I remember that. Um, we might I, be I, there again. Mainly I remember the numbers. <laughs> yeah. I, I've always been a weird kid when it comes to math and economics. So I think uh, well, that's a fascinating time then. I'm, uh, look, we yeah, look we look yeah, at all the things you're talking M one, M two, M three. We look we pay attention to all that stuff, um, and longer term they could certainly have some bearing on on markets. Trying, but trying to make a guess, and then with that, then what do you do with that information? Are you going to speculate in one particular area? And if you are, maybe if I, you just I've use a small that. percentage, you've tried that. Okay, then that's the problem, right? Yeah. No, no, it's not. It's not going great. I've tried to focus on um, on stocks that pay dividends, hoping that some of the, you know, the 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 uh, blue blue blood stocks. What am I thinking of? Blue, blue chip chips stocks might. Yeah, named the after the poker might chips. Find a way to keep up. Yeah. Right. So um, if they can keep up with dividends in some manner close to inflation, I figure that might stay even with it. But I'm not positive that's the way to go. Well, don't put the house on it then. Heck no. Heck no. Yeah. And and remember, I mean, inflation, companies are, are the participants in that. Right. So they raise prices. Their raw materials go up or their labor costs go up or both. Right. Their cost of doing business goes up. They raise the prices. Consumers end up paying more. And over a short period of time, they probably have some compression in their margins, which would mean lower profits, which is not good over the short term. But over the long term, by its very definition, you will see those prices increase. You're seeing companies do it now. Yeah, I like the smaller packaging ones instead. Yeah, that's actually how. That, then they'll well, come up with the call. Then they come up with the new super size. Yeah, yeah, where, where yeah. you know, the things shrink, shrink by fifteen percent, and then the next thing you know, uh, it's twenty percent more, and the price is higher. It's always twenty percent free, and I always, I'm like, well, I'll just take the the free, the free 20, portion. The free portion. Although when I was growing up. There wasn't a ton of money in the family, but I remember when my mom wouldn't do this, but I would shop with my dad occasionally. There's five kids, right? He'd bring us, oh, what a nightmare, shopping like all five kids. But he would insist. Your dad would take all five kids? Occasionally. Oh, my gosh. I can it only was, imagine. What it was like. just. <laughs> but I remember if it said, you know, there's a coupon inside the cereal. They used to actually put the coupon itself inside the package. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. He would actually have us open the cereal in the store and pull the coupon out and use it to purchase that uh, cereal that we were buying that day. So in the store, you'd open the package, pull the coupon out, and use it to buy that cereal. <laughs> I imagine the finances were that tight. It they wasn't a sport. It wasn't a sport. I don't think he enjoyed right. it. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> he was probably a little embarrassed by it at the time. Ah, uh, your dad probably wasn't embarrassed. <laughs> I don't think he was embarrassed. He was looking for a deal. <laughs> All right, let's uh, talk to Billy in Colorado. Billy, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Hey, Scott. How are you guys doing? Great, 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 great. Um, good. Well, I, I hate to piggyback off all, all the inflation talks, but I'm going to go for it. Um, so I'm in a high-cost living area, as you can tell, and I'm trying to figure out whether I should sort of start putting money away to buy a house effectively or you know, just continue to put it into the brokerage account. Because I'm effectively already maxing out my 401k, not my RA, HSA. There's really nothing left else, like else to max, you know, in addition to throwing into my brokerage and like holding on to so much cash and a little benefit because I don't really have any outstanding expenses. Got but it. Sort of like in this weird, weird sort of like floating area because rents are going to continue to go up. But what I'm paying right now for rent is maybe a third of the cost of the mortgage because I got a really great deal. So, I'm in that weird, I'm not waiting for a downturn, but I'm also sort of on that fire, the FI path where you want to have your mortgage paid off by the time you retire early or something. But if I don't have a house, I'm continuing to rent. How old are you? It, like, is that, I'm 25. Yeah. And 25. So, <laughs> and so how much money do you have in your brokerage account? About 40K. Okay. So, you know, it's interesting, Billy, and you live in, it says Colorado, where in Colorado? Northern Colorado on the front range. Okay. So I have a son that lives in Denver and I had this. And I have a daughter that lives in Denver. And my son. Uh, Not together, by the way. Okay. 
<laughs> that would be a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, We're going to stay away yeah, from the shallow. That would not be good. We're yeah, going to stay away from the shallow end of the gene pool. Oh, thanks, Pat. <laughs> um, we've had this conversation, uh, my son and I, he's 26. Good job. 401k, Roth IRA, the whole bit, brokerage account, the whole thing, right? Responsible, hardworking. Um, and I just tell him, you'll know when it's time, uh, you know, to step out. So it's okay to keep money in cash to save for a home, right? But if your rent is that low relative to the purchase of the cost of a home. Yeah, what is your rent? 975 for a 2 one. Wow. <laughs> and what would a house uh, cost I'm you? A- a house uh, out here, minimum. I think we just hit the medium price of like five seven five. Okay, yeah. So just yeah. just keep saving. Just keep just saving. Throwing cash away. Yep, yeah. It's throwing okay cash away. Cash. You're not putting throwing cash funneling, away. Funneling. No, no, not throwing. Funneling. Oh, oh funneling um, cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what's your? How's your brokerage account invested? One hundred percent equities. Everything's hundred percent equities. Um, total stock market. Uh, my brokerage is domestic. The rest of my portfolio is eighty twenty. Um, but yeah, it's all equity and everything. Yeah. I would, I would start putting money into cash and just sitting on cash. Okay. Oh, I, I was sort of hesitant because I was like, I have no desire to buy. Like, I like the flexibility of renting. Um, and you know, who knows how, yeah, then I don't know if I'm, I'm how get. much, I don't know how much cash does he need then. He's going to come he, up with a down payment. You want some cash. He doesn't care about owning a house. No, he said he does. He just said he didn't. I don't. That's the thing. I, he I doesn't. Don't, I'm, I'm on the fence. Like if it comes up, great. If it doesn't, but I'm also it would be a, look at right now. It. it would be a you model you you model it out right now. Being 25, you rent for the next how many years? Yes. Versus going out and spending 575 on a new house with a mortgage, you're much better off renting. Right now, yeah. Up until about like 14 years, 15 years. Yes. No, because you put the, the the difference in the money right now. You're putting in the at some point the total time, stock market index. At some point in time, you buy a house because you enjoy the benefits it brings. They're yeah. not they're not, not the best investments. It's not all economic. No, no, it's truly a lifestyle. I look at it as a lifestyle choice. I and it's also. Can, uh, are you going to work remotely at any point in time? I'm 100 percent remote right now, and my my industry is pretty stable. Got it. And so, and so you choose to live in the front range. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is a, this is a choice. I just moved here because I was, I was done with now. Okay. Done well, I agree now. with Scott. I agree with Scott. I, I, I think what you're doing is fine. I, I don't know if I would compile that much cash. You might find yourself moving to like, there's certain towns that are absolutely exploding. Like Albuquerque, New Mexico is yeah. absolutely on fire. Parts of Arizona, absolutely on fire. Idaho, Wyoming, on fire. But those parts are actually on fire sometimes. Like, you know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's point. like I grew up in Arizona, like it's Colorado, no. same thing. Like half the state's on fire during the summer. It sucks. It's unfortunate. And I'm sure you guys deal with it. Oh California yeah. Yeah, well. yeah. We have fire season. Yeah. Here. So it's also getting to a point where I'm just like, might as well just continue and, you know, stockpile. And I think you're fine. And, I, I, I agree okay. with Scott. I, I don't know if I would start putting money aside for, the purchase of a home. No, and if you were to buy one, if you said, if you like, oh gosh, I just can't wait to own real estate because I think real estate's the best thing ever. I need to own real estate. Well, then go buy a house and rent it out because you can rent out That's that what house about doing. for yeah, way more than I. Uh, what's your? How much you make your job? Eighty-five. Eighty-five a year. You're twenty-five. You got a yeah. good good salary. I think well, that's, well, yeah, it's another thing. Like I'm also having having to balance. Like, should I sort of coast in this job or you know jump to another job and make more money? So I because I'm getting offers for way more money, but I like the flexibility of the me because I do live in the front range, like you know, mountain So sort of sort of like a catch twenty two, where like should I funnel money away? <laughs> you should, job, you should see the look. You should see the look on both of our faces right now because, uh, like I, I I'm a firm believer in good work life balance. Life's about the yeah. journey, not the destination. No sense um, saving all, doing a job you hate to save money for retirement so you can finally do the things you want to do when you're 65 years old. Like, what's the point? Having said that, yeah. you are. Uh, this is the time you you build your career. Yeah. Right. It's That's this next next decade. I mean, I I, I worked many. We both worked many hours uh, in our 20s and in really early, early 30s building 
building our careers. And I, I'd much rather see you ignore any time spent on looking at houses, thinking about houses, mortgage, all that. God, they're the garbage, and, and and on your own career. That's where the, financial wealth, real wealth. Maybe you're lucky in an inheritance. Maybe you're lucky in you in the lottery. Maybe you're lucky and you work for a company that goes public and is phenomenal and they award you with some restricted stock that became worth millions. But for most people, it it comes through uh, two two areas. Their career and their savings. The, the discipline to set some of the... Their, That's right. And you've already got the savings side down. 100%. Right? So if you have an opportunity to move up through your career... You're 25. What else are you going to be doing? <laughs> I mean, I've got you know, mountain bike trail and gravel. I love mountain biking too, by the way. Does yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it's, you, it's gorgeous you, out here. You, <laughs> I understand. You should have conversations with anyone that wants to have a conversation with you. What do you mean by that? You said that people are calling you. You should have conversations with them. Okay. So you, you should, I should be entered because I've only been at this new job for a few months. And I'm sort of like already getting, cause the job market's hot and I'm in, I'm in public accounting. So look, look, look know, my, I have a son in finance that left his first job, uh, in the LA area to take a, in, in less than six months after graduating from college, he has one job and he moved to the second one with a significant pay increase and in better career opportunities. Right. And he's 23. Um, and it, he asked me the same question. So what should I do? And I said, have a conversation with anyone, anyone that calls you. Have a quick conversation. You're going to learn something. Give me the rundown. Tell me why I should continue the conversation. Yeah. So I They're, wouldn't change. I actually would not change anything about what you're doing with your finances. You sound like a take, poster child. Take more meetings. <laughs> take more meetings. <laughs> Clearly. I mean, you're, you're going to build your wealth through your career. I appreciate the call. And yeah. congrats. You did a great job. Yeah. All right. We uh, we are out of time. I was going to continue on, but we can't because um, we've got um, old school radio clock that we have to abide by. But we are broadcast every week at the same spot. And, uh, of course, you can get our podcast and listen to us that way. You've been listening to All Worth's Money Matters with Scott Hanson and Pat McLean. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.